This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. According to the 2019 National Health and Morbidity Survey in Malaysia, only 22% of Malaysians have personal health insurance, with 43% of them saying that they can't afford it, while 36% think that it is unnecessary. However, without um, adequate financial safety support, a safety net, households can likely find themselves facing dire situations if one of their family member falls critically ill. So today on the show, we're actually discussing a very interesting proposition uh, related to embedded insurance. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, my uh, sort of dummy's understanding of it. It's small amounts of insurance that you purchase when you make other transactions, like uh, when you do ride-sharing bookings or, or travel bookings. So could that help to narrow the gap when it comes to medical coverage? Joining me on the show to help me understand more, Bernard Kotanko, Senior Partner at McKinsey & Company. Bernard, thank you so much for joining me me today. How are you? I'm good, thank you, and it's a great pleasure to be with you. So let's start by looking at the, what the problem is uh, and what is the scale of this problem. Uh, I refer to a low um, rate of uh, insured co- insurance coverage in Malaysia. Um, so if you could help me expand on that, how many people in Malaysia are uninsured for healthcare if you have more um, recent statistics and who are these uninsured? Yeah, thank you, Xiao. And um, I think the to start with the positive, of course, Malaysia has a, uh, a stable public health system, uh, which is uh, similar to other ASEAN countries. And uh, for example, it, it, uh, it provides about 23 physicians uh, for every 10,000 uh, people in the country. It provides about uh, 19 beds. So there is a good, stable health system. However, when we look at the financing of the health system, what we see is that the the Malaysian private households cover about 36% of their health cost out of pocket. Um, And about half of the the total cost is borne by the public. Uh, And only about 11% are covered by private health insurance. And as you said, uh, private health insurance today is very much a product for the affluent. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we see as a challenge is for more mass market uh, and lower income households. Um, the current products, as your survey suggested, has uh, is just too expensive. And therefore, we would recommend for the insurance sector, as well as for the regulators and the governments, to foster uh, solutions that allow uh, cheaper, more basic offerings that can cover some of these out-of-pocket expenses and therefore allow people to be better protected. From from the industry standpoint, is it true that insurance is only for the affluent or, or is there a perception gap here? I think there is a perception gap because, um, I mean, insurance is most needed for those uh, where any form of uh, a tragic event really disrupts the family situation. So make it very practical. You know, if uh, if a member of your family becomes seriously sick, um, then uh, a rich a rich household may be able to afford it, uh, but a poor household may be really struggling. And uh, 
uh, that's actually where insurance is most important. And therefore, I think there is a perception gap. Uh, there is a, a sentiment around it's, um, it's too expensive, I cannot afford it. Because, of course, a risk is hard to grasp. You know, what is the risk of being seriously sick? What's the risk of having uh, a chronic disease that needs treatment? Mm -hmm. What's the risk of uh, not getting the kind of treatment you would want for your loved ones? Uh, in reality, I think these are very emotional aspects. Uh, and I think where the sector, the insurance sector needs to do a better job is addressing those emotional needs and also explaining with the right offerings how insurance can help. You referred to a fairly high rate, 36% of um, households basically covering their medical costs out of pocket, uh, which means dipping into your savings, right? What should be your retirement yes. funds and things like that? Um, what do we know about the implications of that? What happens uh, after their life savings are spent on a bypass surgery or cancer treatment or things like that? Uh, how many households go into financial catastrophe? So we, we don't have statistical data on this. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think we should look at the, at the positive and not so much at the tragic about mm. it. But the positive is, I think, that there are solutions that can prevent exactly that kind of catastrophe. Um, and, you know, just looking at the numbers, I think overall life expectancy in Malaysia currently stands at 76 years. Um, we at McKinsey are convinced that with the right mix of measures uh, and supporting a healthy society, we can add several years of life, but especially we can also add a lot of life to the years we have, making it more positive, healthier, more energetic. But for that, it also needs more support, uh, for example, on preventive care um, and, and uh, health screenings, etc., which in many cases are treated as non-essential health, uh, health uh, services, and then are often not covered by public or private insurance. Uh, we would urge that those um, services should be included because it allows to identify illnesses earlier. It allows to manage especially chronic diseases like for example, diabetes, much earlier because we can adjust the lifestyles and therefore get better. Yep. Uh, and there, I think insurance, private and public, can really help uh, to educate the public and, uh, and create a healthier society. And then, of course, the tragic events that you just described become less and less. Absolutely. So let's dive into this particular form of insurance we're discussing today, embedded insurance. Uh, if you could explain what exactly that is. Xiao, thank you for the question. And uh, embedded insurance is indeed, in our view, a way to address this, uh, this big pile of out-of-pocket expense and is a way to reach broader parts of the population of Malaysia. And why is that so? Three aspects. The first one is what our research shows is that customers, people are much more open to consider insurance in the moments when they are emotionally connected to the theme of health. So very simply, when you are at a doctor, when you visit somebody in hospital, when you uh, go to the gym, when you go to a pharmacy, that's the moments when you consider healthier living, uh, when you consider well-being. And that is, of course, the right moment because you're emotionally open. The second dimension is that it allows to position products 
which are smaller, cheaper, and more targeted for customer needs and specific segments and specific moments customers are in. So for example, um, fertility, um, uh, like in vitro, are themes that are not covered by many insurance uh, policies. You could craft very targeted offerings to only this uh, and all the related issues, and you position it with uh, families and couples that you know get information about this, talk with doctors about this, are in the right age age zone for this, so that it allows to get much better products that reach broader parts of the population. And the third dimension is um, a lot of this would happen with digital communication uh, and the combination of digital plus then in-person advice from agents. And we feel that this can really help augment the reach and financial education of broader parts of the population. It's interesting you mentioned agents because I think when um, we look at the um, expansion or the increase of, of the trend of insure tech, uh, uh, with a lot of it happening on the digital space, there's a question of um, where do the agents fit in, right? Because some consumers still need them as that sort of liaison to help you explain what you're purchasing. Um, so with embedded insurance, is there still a role for agents? Absolutely, yes. Um and we see this, you know, we, we conduct every year a very comprehensive customer research. And uh, the answer is very clear. Between 70 and 80% of people want in-person advice from an agent or another advisor. So that is critical. Um, at the same time, uh, a large portion of customers want also digital engagement and they want education. They want to feel in charge. They want to feel more knowledgeable about how they can protect themselves. And for these parts, digital and insure tech can be very powerful complements to support and augment uh, the quality of agents. Um, and therefore, it's not an either or, but very clear an and and the combined. All right, we'll have to go for a quick break now, but stay tuned to our discussion today on embedded insurance. I'm speaking to Bernard Kotanko, senior partner at McKinsey and Company about this issue. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shawik. My guest today on Zoom is Bernard Kotanko. He's senior partner at McKinsey & Company and I'm discussing with him whether embedded insurance and that is a model of insurance where smaller amounts of insurance are built into other transactions. Think about insurance that you purchase together with your ride sharing or when you buy a flight ticket and how these could potentially help narrow the gap when it comes to our low rate of health insurance coverage. So, um, Bernard, one of the issues that people face when purchasing insurance and something that perhaps turns them off is, I don't know what I'm buying. Uh, you may have purchased it and you still don't know what your policy covers, right? And many customers have reported being hit by nasty surprises when they're trying to exercise their insurance policies. Uh, so would embedded insurance be any different? Would it provide some solutions for this pain point? So I think um, the answer must be yes, because the embedded insurance is, of course, a much more transactional moment. You know, you don't have hours of advice and learning. So the product needs to be much sharper in what it can do, also what it cannot do. And that actually will help customers to understand the benefits much better. 
in general, I think it is one of the big issues for the insurance sector to adopt a much clearer language and also clearer terms and conditions that minimize the fine print for customers and really build a much stronger trust because people then really know what they actually got. Would the cost be more acceptable when you provide embedded insurance products? So with, of course, a more narrow product, also the cost goes down. And I think that's positive because it allows the customer to really buy the very specific protection that he or she wants and needs. And, uh, and that, I think, allows to, to be more specific also in, in, in creating value for customers. Mm-hmm. So I think it becomes much much more attractive and it will allow a wider reach in the population. Mm-hmm. I guess the value of purchasing medical insurance, though, is despite the cost, you know you're covered um, breadth, right? 36 critical illnesses yeah. and hospitalization and, 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 and uh, test, certain tests that uh, maybe uh, depending on your policy. So when embedded insurance offers more targeted products, um, would there still be a need for consumers to purchase the the big plans? So I think for those people that can afford the big plans and have a a desire for convenience and comprehensive protection, those big plans are, of course, best fit for purpose. But as we discussed in the beginning, Xiao, uh, about half of the population simply doesn't have that kind of insurance protection and they cannot afford it. And um, the choice is then to leave those people uninsured and they pay out of pocket if, uh, uh, if a problem hits or to create more basic, more targeted solutions, which of course are less perfect, uh, but they are very good value for money and are at least the beginning of it. And then hopefully with increasing um, economic affluence, more and more households will be able to afford also the more comprehensive covers. Uh, And when purchasing the comprehensive policies, um, some consumers face this issue of, you know, uh, having to pay higher premiums because of their risk profile, or perhaps even being excluded, right? And and this is the the, um, model of risk pooling that insurance providers practice. Um, would this be the same in embedded insurance products? So this is, of course, a very important point. And, um, you know, the, the basic principle of insurance is, as you say, that you pool risks. You protect yourself against the unknown together with others. Now, of course, with more and more information, we can create more and more nimble offerings and also be more specific in what is actually your risk or my risk. Um, My personal view is that should not damage the basic principle of risk pooling because otherwise it's just a savings plan or a a payment plan for your own risk. I think the key is to protect against the unknown and this is where the pooling aspect, the collective aspect plays a role. And that is the same for embedded insurance as well as for the more comprehensive covers. I think the difference is that just the the scope of what is covered and maybe also the timeline is very different. Mm -hmm. To give one example, we see 
a real need for people to uh, that are expecting a baby to protect um, the mother and the baby during the period around, you know, the, the second half of pregnancy, the first few months. Mm -hmm. It's a very emotional theme and, and people really want to be safe that the best possible support is there. That's a relatively finite cover that insurers could provide in an embedded way. And, um, and that is also a risk that can be pooled, pooled very nicely, uh, just as one example of many, many. Meaning um, you could purchase um, a very specific policy that would cover just uh, potential medical complications that would occur during pregnancy Correct. and delivery or perhaps just a few months after delivery. Is that right? Correct. Mm. Exactly. Which is emotionally a very sensitive uh, period in life. <laughs> I know this myself as a father of three children. Um, the, and it's something that, you know, the risk is very low nowadays and the health system in, in Malaysia and in other markets is very good. But at the same time, if something goes wrong in that moment, it's a devastating catastrophe in life. So you want to ensure that you can provide the best support if something happens during birth or late pregnancy or in the first few months. And you don't want to be nervous about how you can afford it. You, you just want to provide the best for the mother and the baby. And that is just one example where a very targeted cover could be uh, attractive. Mm. I, I want to come back to risk pooling as well for a little bit. On the side of the consumer, uh, that's always a tricky one because if you are the one having to pay higher premiums or being excluded because of your risk profile, that's where you, you become disadvantaged. Would embedded insurance be the equalizer in these situations? I'm not sure it's the equalizer, to be honest. Uh, what I do, however, think is that it, uh, it can make sure that also those that have a, an unfavorable risk profile can at least get some cover. Mm. And secondly, I think it can incentivize um, earlier detection, more prevention, and a healthier lifestyle. So for example, if you have um, uh, obesity, which unfortunately is uh, on the rise in Malaysia and across the world. Uh, now, obesity, we know, is cause of many chronic illnesses. Uh, if through the beginnings of a, a small embedded insurance policy, you begin to adopt a healthier lifestyle, and maybe also through your policy, you get incentives to be more active, to do more sports, to eat in a healthier way, to lose weight. That is tremendously powerful. And this is, I think, where modern health insurance needs to go much beyond just paying, mm. but it needs to be a partner for a healthier lifestyle to actually prevent illnesses and not just pay when they occur. Mm -hmm. um, I want to dig more into how this will look like, and I love the example you gave about antenatal and um, delivery care and how you could target something, a very specific package around that. Would you have other um, examples you could share, other models of, um, especially perhaps in a more retail setting? You mentioned perhaps uh, when you go to the gym, uh, when you uh, go to the pharmacy, those may be some settings where this could work. Yeah. So um, i just give you two more of such examples. One is accidents. You know, in many cases, if you have an accident, only you have a lot of a lot of issues. Of course, you lose income, maybe 
uh, you some of the costs uh, of uh, of the recovery may not be covered. You may not get the best treatment, so not everything is included. Let's say physiotherapy and other aspects. So that's another one where specific sports accidents. Um, so, for example, um, you know we see this in other markets where when you let's say you buy certain sports equipment, then any accidents with those sports are are covered. And it's again, it's a very finite cover, which makes it very cheap, very specific, but also very clear and articulate of what you get from it. Um, so that's another example. I think that in pharmacies, of course, there is a, a clear link to what kind of medication and what kind of uh, products you buy and ask for. So you could you could say uh, if you if uh, you know if you if you are having already certain the beginnings of chronic illnesses or diseases let's say you have a high blood pressure what could be covers that at least allow you to prevent the extremes or or finance uh, in case of extreme risks of course you will pay a higher premium already because you have already a higher risk but maybe it can be combined again with lifestyle changes uh, to then also incentivize you and say if you change your lifestyle along the following ways we also can reduce your premium because your risk goes down and in the end you'll be healthier and you'll pay less. What would you see um, are some potential challenges to take up here in the Malaysian market? I would say that we are early days and the, the key is really to understand how to best connect with the customer, what are the moments where this resonates and also how to make sure that the customer always feels his or her privacy is protected. Um, so I think that is important from a marketing angle to make get it right. Then secondly, again, we need to craft the right propositions that fit to complement what the public system provides, uh, what maybe um, employer-based group schemes provide, and then really what are the finite spaces in between for specific segments. So I think marketing and product design are the two main angles where there's uh, we are at the beginning of a learning curve. Would it be sort of the traditional insurance providers that, that do this? That's a good question. I, um, I would say, you know, when we look at the Malaysian insurance market on the private health insurance side, it's um, the top five players have a quite uh, dominant share and are outstanding players. So they clearly have a, a strong position to do that. At the same time, as with any new space, it also may open the door for, for other players that, that develop this and say, this is my route to, to shape a market and, and, and grab a slice in a new market. Um, so I, don't, I think the jury is out, uh, but clearly the, um, the large incumbent players do have a lot of the competencies that would be needed, and of course, have strong brands, which is also helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but that that may not uh, prevent others to say, "This is my space to disrupt." Uh, but what about regulation, though? What are your concerns there? What do we need to keep our eye on? Yeah, uh, very good, very good point. So I think I mentioned already one point: there needs to be a clear regulation on uh, use of private data. So you know, in my example of the pharmacy or or a doctor. What kind of information can I use to mm -hmm. say what embedded insurance fits for you? Uh, especially also then when it comes to pricing the product or underwriting the product. 
so data, data and privacy regulation is critical. Second aspect is what kind of advice and information do I give to the customers? Because in many of these cases, we will not have necessarily an agent as an intermediary. So we need to be very clear what information is there to educate customers so that they can make the right choices. That's the second topic. And I think the third one is then on the product regulation itself, where um, I, I would say it's not different to the current model, but of course, these are new types of offerings. And it's important to make sure that all interests are, are considered, uh, that we don't create products that are loss-making because you know, we, we, we want a viable industry. But at the same time, we want products that are attractive to customers and uh, in, an, in an objective way, address the risks. You know, we use ride sharing all the time. We buy travel insurance, you know, that's embedded when we book our flight tickets. Mm -hmm. We do that all the time as well. I'm not sure. I, I speak for myself. I, I don't even read the terms and conditions when I tick that <laughs> box, right? Um, what would you like to see? I think from consumer side, right? Just to be more aware, more savvy that even if we're talking about a finite, more affordable product that we should probably know what we're buying. <laughs> yeah. Look, I... <laughs> I uh, I have to admit, uh, and travel insurance is a good example. I also don't don't buy the I uh, don't read the terms and conditions. I, I'll have to admit. Um, I recently had the example. I rent a car, and I uh, I thought I bought the insurance that came with the car rental, but then in the fine print, a lot of things were excluded, and I ended up paying something because a stone hit my my windshield, mm. and that was excluded. And it's it's something I felt very angry about because. You know, little stones hitting your windshield is one of the most common damages that happen. Mm. And I found it it's a bit uh, unfair that those things are then excluded in the terms and conditions. Um, and, and you know, you really need to find the, the fine print to get there because, mm. um, of course, it's written somewhere. Um, so I would argue that as part of regulation and part of also being a, a customer-oriented insurer, mm. I would be very clear with big letters, you know, on the website when you take the box, what are the main things that are in and what are the main things that are out? Uh, and I think that's something, it's in the interest of the insurer because what the insurance sector does not want is customers that feel that they have been uh, a little bit on the short end of the stick because somewhere in the, in the fine print of the terms and conditions, certain things were excluded. Mm. So you're putting the onus on providers then and uh, regulators? I personally, you know, I, I personally think it is not enough mm. to have this somewhere in the terms and conditions. My personal view is um, it should be at least the key messages should be highly visible in a very simple and clear language. Of course, you cannot have all the details because those are complex regulations and complex products. But at least the most important things mm. should be called out. And I would say that the, uh, the best insurers are actually on the way to create that kind of customer centricity. Are you working with um, any stakeholders uh, in any countries in the region? And what are you hearing in terms of interest in this area? So um, it's interesting. When we published the report, uh, the, the feedback was very positive because insurers 
of course, see that they, they, they look for new sources of growth. And at the same time, they also see, and everybody sees it, regulators sees it, governments sees it, see it, um, people themselves look at it and say, a lot of risks are currently on the shoulders of people. And if we can find ways to alleviate these, these, these problems and solve them and create peace of mind for people, it allows people to be happier, to have more energy, to focus on the on the positive things in life. And they know that somebody holds their back in case of, of any of these events. And if we can give this to a bigger part of the population, it's good for the country, it's good for the people, and it's also good for the for the shareholders of the insurance companies. Um, what about other stakeholders, um, private hospitals, for instance? Uh, great point. And uh, of course, Malaysia is home to some of the largest private hospital groups. Mm. Uh, and a good portion of the, uh, the healthcare infrastructure is in private hands, uh, both across primary, secondary and tertiary care. I think the private hospitals play a critical role uh, in being a partner to the insurance sector and creating offerings that really can help their patients and the families of these patients uh, to get all the appropriate financing. So I think that's a very essential part and it should be a core a core part of this, this embedded health insurance model. You know, uh, there's so much conversation in Malaysia about the strain on healthcare resources and we see mm. it playing out in the public sector um, with uh, insufficient beds, um, equipment, uh, human resources, right? I know we've been talking about private insurance, which relates to private care, but looking at the bigger picture, uh, if we have more affordable and simpler solutions through embedded insurance, would that have a ripple effect on uh, the bigger health system in the country? Yeah, I think there we need to see that Malaysia is on a journey. Uh, Malaysian's health financing at the moment is at about 3.8% of GDP. And about half of that financing comes from public households. Uh, when you compare this uh, to just the ASEAN average, um, which of course has, has more mature uh, economies uh, as well, but uh, there the ratio is already 4% of GDP. And when you then look at OECD, the cost or, or the financing of health is at 7.7% of GDP. Uh, so what we do see is that as societies mature, um, the cost of healthcare rises, and it rises faster than our than our economies. And therefore, whatever we can do to mobilize also the private sector to be a partner of the public to help financing. But for me, it's always two sides of the same coin. It's the financing, but then also the managing of the healthcare for better outcomes. And this is where prevention and really an end-to-end -end journey from preventing, diagnosing, and treating illnesses in the best possible way is so important. So where um, would you like to see this going next, particularly in Malaysia, <laughs> right? Uh, for, for, for somebody working in this space, what would yeah. be your priority? So I would love to see the main stakeholders coming together and see how this market could evolve. And when I say the main stakeholders, it should be the public health bodies, it should be the private health insurers, it should be the providers, 
And it also should be the regulator and to say, you know, what can we do with a common purpose across all four, which is to help protect and find efficient ways of financing healthcare. And um, I would love to see embedded insurance as part of the, the growth plans and innovation plans of the big insurers. I would love to see financing with embedded insurance solutions uh, as part of the plans of some of the big private providers, but equally the public, e equally the public health system. And I would love to see some interesting entrepreneurs to say, how can I disrupt this market? I think that would help create an ecosystem uh, that in the end delivers better outcomes for people. A very ambitious, <laughs> very ambitious. Uh, <laughs> uh, Always good to dream big. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, it, many other industries have seen so much disruptions um, towards, again, leveling the playing field, right? So healthcare is where it's really needed as well. A final takeaway, Bernard? Final takeaway is I think that um, what we all strive for in life is uh, a peace of mind. And part of peace of mind is that we are well protected against our potential moments of fear and catastrophes. And I think insurance is a very powerful way. And um, we need to find ways to, to offer that solutions to more people independent of, uh, of, their, of their total income and, uh, and provide these kind of innovations to them. So I hope that this is the beginning of a journey. And uh, if our report and our work can help on this, then I would be very happy and grateful. Thank you so much, Bernard. Uh, I was speaking to Bernard Kotanko, senior partner at McKinsey & Company, about embedded insurance and what is its potential in uh, improving health coverage among people who are uninsured. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.